As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up to date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riftway Podcast. Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, a dungeon master on the Riftwake podcast. Unfortunately, Mitch is sick today, so won't be joining me. Thankfully, however, I was able to just grab some guy to help me out. So go ahead and introduce yourself to folks at home. Okay, hi, hi there, folks. My name's Nathan. And um, absolutely nobody, nobody knows me. I'm I'm new here. He he literally no dragged me. Up. He he literally dragged me off the street. I I was looking for my cat. Appreciate you joining us for the day, Nathan. No problem. Happy to help. <laughs> And today's topic, on that note, a little bit is horror so this is the last week of october so we want to have a spooky themed week for y'all at home so joking aside horror is tonight's topic of discussion <laughs> nathan what can you tell me about horror in D&D? horror in D&D. okay so what i think horror is in D&D is where you're like oh uh sp spooky eh right and then you're like scared yes i know Thank this you, stuff surely we have missed your dizzying intellect <laughs> <laughs> sorry putting aside my uh It, not so inner Snape for a moment. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, that was a much less Nathan answer than I was expecting. So yeah, generally some form of spookiness 
to just try to invoke a feel thrill or just you know emotional response from your characters make or your players uh just using the themes of horror so can you tell me how much there actually is written about horror in D&D in the canonical books i mean it could be said maybe i'm not i'm not 100% sure about it because i don't read the books but uh, I think Curse of Strahd is pretty spooky if you play it the right way. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Curse of Strahd is absolutely a canonical spooky adventure. And yeah, there's you know a couple versions of it out at this point even. A uh, lot of talk about vampires. I know that we've done that episode in the past where we do talk about you know the Count himself. So yeah, any other good resource? I, you know, Remy, I, you, you know, were here I, I for know, this episode. You have no excuse. I, I know a lot about D&D, but, you know, so, sometimes my, my memory fills me. Oh, yes. Ah, dude. Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Oh, yeah, that book. The book all about spooky. Right. That exists. Right. It does, in fact, exist. Sorry, I forgot. And... Dude. Anyway. They, in fact, have an entire section of that book dedicated to genres of horror with a massive amount of information available for any dungeon master that wants to make a type of horror themed game. And there is an extensive amount of information on body horror, cosmic horror, dark fantasy, folk horror, ghost stories, gothic horror, and other horror genres. That's a lot Why of horror. Why did they just list other instead of just... Okay, this is dumb. They just made a subfolder for more things disaster horror occult detective stories psychological horror and slasher horror all good things uh i am curious do you have any favorite on that list as the very media literate man i am um no i can't tell you what <laughs> you have never seen you've never enjoyed any form of horror media ever Okay, a horror so, game, a horror movie, something. A horror game, maybe, but that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, well, what game? I mean, like, there's this scene, there's this, like, bit in Metro Exodus where there's, like, huge fucking spiders. And they're, like, right. really fucking creepy because it's dark as shit, and then you have to shine a light, you can't shoot them. So, dark fantasy. Sure. So, I mean, honestly, giant spiders are a classic D&D scary thing for very good reason. I mean, just spiders in general have terrified humans for good reason for the entire existence of humanity. Something wrong and with them. They have too many legs. I mean, that is something that is honestly disturbing to a lot of people. I myself have arachnophobia. Uh, I don't remember if I've ever actually told this story on the podcast. I know it's I've told it at some point, but uh, yeah, I used to do food delivery 
And in Florida, there are houses in the woods where I would deliver food. And there was a time I felt myself walk into a spider web. Just it was just complete spider web across the sidewalk leading up to the house. I, of course, you know, do the frantic brush yourself off reflex, feel my hand brush an object off of my chest. And of course, that's when the motion sensor light turns on and illuminates this spider about the size <laughs> of my hand. It's fucking Remy. Remy. Uh -huh. You know, sometimes I wonder if you're not like a fictional character being fucked around <laughs> with and record oh. it secretly. Uh, so, unfortunately, like spiders are just not something that I'm super knowledgeable about. So for years, I had no idea what type of the what type of spider this was. Mm -hmm. or how dangerous the thing was. And thankfully, my brother is a much smarter person than I am and was able to identify it for me later. So I did find out it was, in fact, a banana spider that is not a particularly dangerous creature. Excuse me? Bananas are terrifying. Well, you tell me. I just sent you a picture of it on Discord. It's like... That does not look like a banana. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't know if it... No, apparently it's just because they enjoy eating bananas, not because it looks anything like a banana. And we should call all monkey like monkeys that eat bananas, banana monkeys. I'd be okay with that. That, that would be pretty I mean, cool. honestly, if we just identified creatures by the things that they ate, we'd know better whether they're dangerous or not. That's an antelope. So I'd be okay with that. <laughs> That's an antelope lion. <laughs> sure why not and then the gazelle lion ah yes that other breed <laughs> and that's the human lion wait no right. but anyway so the point being just google a banana spider it is a terrifying looking arachnid so yeah so the light came on and i knew that thing was on my chest so that has stuck with me for the last 10 years Oh, yeah, that thing, that thing scared me. And just, yes, to this day, I like I know that spiders are, you know, good for eating other bugs to keep them, you know, out of your house. But I fucking hate spiders. I will kill any spider that I see. I know that's not good, but I don't care. They scare me. Anyway, the point being. That, you know, my own fear aside, that's one thing that makes spiders such a good thing to use in D&D if you are trying to evoke a sense of horror, because something that scares you and just is a common fear is particularly well suited to making use to invoke emotion in your players and therefore their characters. On the other hand, of course... Like, a lot of people do have lines that you don't necessarily want to cross. But, again, we are talking horror for this time just before Halloween. So that is the time where you might want to push those boundaries a little bit more. 
And in fact, we'll be talking about running a Halloween session in Thursday's episode. So with that being said, spiders also have a rather long history in fantasy. Um, are you familiar with a character by the name of Shelob? I have heard the name of this Shelob. Have you ever seen or read Lord of the Rings? Oh, now I remember Shelob. Thank you. Yes. The big fucking spider in Lord of the Rings. Uh, and also, Shelob actually has a much deeper lore than most people who've seen the movie would know, but I am not doing an episode just on giant spiders today. Maybe that could be something for the future, because there's a lot, actually, of character spiders in D&D. Quick, write that down, write that down! Uh, Alright, fine. Uh, spiders. Okay, it's on the list. Now that I think about it, it's kind of amazing that we haven't actually talked about spiders. They really are an iconic D&D Yeah, creature. that's a good point. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always things that are like, oh wait, we didn't do blank? Especially considering that this is, what, episode 213? <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. All right, anyway. Uh, yeah, we have tangented a lot with that. I apologize. Yes, horror. Uh, yes. Horror. Yes. So the point being, though, there are dark sides to fantasy that are scary, that do invoke emotion. And you can really dig into just the history of fantasy to gain inspiration for the types of horror games that you are trying to play. So whether that is, you know, something like Giant Spider from, you know, Harry Potter, from Lord of the Ring, there's a lot of giant spiders. Um, but besides that, if you go like Legend of Sleepy Hollow, uh, in Ravenloft, actually, the in that book, they do give a character sheet for the creature that the Headless Horseman is based on. Hey, so hmm. I just thought of something really cool. Imagine you're walking through a forest and then like really dark, you can't see shit. And then suddenly it's just like one of the branches moves oddly. And then like somehow like you turn on the light to check and then all the branches in the forest just move and you realize it's like fucking massive fuck off spiders hiding in the tree. Oh, I actually, my brain was thought you were going in a different direction than that. Oh, what? Like, just the tree itself is moving. Have a treant be the villain of a horror game. Whoa. Actually, because... that'd be spooky. Like, it's very right? typical, traditional, like, old-timey old fantasy to have, like, an evil forest. Yeah, but even besides evil forest, even just a single treant is actually a pretty powerful foe in D&D. So, making use of just a treant, you know, maybe there's like a new village that's started cutting down large amounts of the forest, you know, for the wood to build the houses, build the wall to keep this new village safe. And the treant guardian of these woods is less than pleased. So anytime there's, you know, small groups of, you know, one or two people, they just never return to the village. Or, or. The young kids that go out to play never come home. I should have known you'd turn it around <laughs> to child murder. You know, I should have known. Sometimes. 
A little child murder never hurt anyone. I'm just saying, Remy. Except the children who were murdered. And exactly. their parents. And their extended families. And anyone who's emotionally connected. To them. Exactly. Nobody. Glad to see the army hasn't changed you, Nathan. <laughs> well, maybe disappointed, but... Anyway, the point being, there are many, many different ways that you can try to evoke the horror theme in a game. So from, you know, the dark fantasy using just classic myths, uh, then you can also go, like, to, just to jump ahead to one of the other categories we were talking about, body horror is another one that I personally find just fucking terrifying. The idea of my body failing me, you know, due to my medical history, is something that is a very real fear that I have. Due to that, I am particularly good at running a body horror-based game because it is a fear that I understand so well that it makes it a story that I'm able to tell. So that is my biggest piece of advice when you're trying to evoke horror in a game to use whatever genre of horror you understand best. Remy, can we like do a thing? You know, not for me, but for the audience. Uh -huh. What is body horror exactly? You know? So, okay, there's actually a pretty nice uh, bulleted list in Ravenloft that Ooh. I'm just going to read off for you because it really is just a pretty solid summary. So just a list of genre tropes for body horror. Physical transformations are common and might affect more than bodies. Objects, architecture, and the natural world might be anthropomorphized in terrifying ways. Oh, I just realized. Yes. You still remember that gnome that exploded all over and in and in arc one? Uh-huh. You remember the one with the chaos bubble thing? Yes, the one who was physically turned inside out due to fucked up magic that you made up? Yep. Why, yes, I do in fact remember that. <laughs> and that would indeed be an example of body horror. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But just in that first bullet point, though, there's also one very important detail that I do want to point out, which is the idea of the transformations affecting more than just the body itself, but to actually have objects, architecture, and the natural world get morphed. That's something that I really like. So the best example for that that most people who aren't Nathan are probably aware of would be the xenomorphs from the Alien movie franchise. So I know I know movies, xenomorphs, the the belly really? crawly things. Yes, they come out the belly. You know they 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 hug your face. But have you actually seen any of the movies? <laughs> Fuck no. All right, but you're at least aware of pop culture to be aware of their existence. Yeah. But yeah, but the aliens truly are a wonderful movie series in the genre of body horror. And honestly, those movies are actually pretty good at not just being that, but also psychological horror, just suspense. They're just fucking good movie series. I really like Alien. And Aliens, of course. The rest don't exist. <sighs> anyway. Very, very interesting, Remy. I understand your pain. <laughs> no, you don't. People at home, too. <laughs> I hope. Pr- Prometheus or something? Something like that? La 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 la. I can't Something hear you. something? La la la, mm, la, yes. la la The point that I'm trying to make, you interrupting bastard. <laughs> is the idea that while the xenomorphs are best known for the fact that, you know, they are not great when interacting with humans, to put it very mildly, part of what makes them so scary is the fact that they are able to build as well, and that the nest that a hive of aliens will make just does take on their general look which makes it so much harder to see them and the fact that you'll have this human built space that starts taking on the aesthetic of the xenomorphs so it is not just people that they warp but the environment itself becomes better suited to them over time so having the layer of a creature in D&D that has an effect from the creatures living there just making use of layer effects to set the tone that this is other and wrong in some way is something that a dm really can make more use of that generally we just don't and even i myself can be guilty of this so as much as i love beholders i tend to not like have the weirder possibilities of the layer done. And that really is something that I need to correct the next time that I do have a beholder layer to just ha- imagine if you do just go inside some cave and then the adventurers just notice over time that the floor becomes more comfortable to walk on. So then, you know, they hold the torch a little bit lower to get a closer look and realize that it's almost that 
the floor itself is fleshy now, and that it is just this mottled skin or just flesh that you're just walking on as you walk further and further. You notice the walls take on this appearance as well, until it almost as if you're in the esophagus of some great beast. I mean... Talking about like descriptions of um, environments like that and like all these things that make a thing scary, there's something to be said about taking what is otherwise ordinary and describing them in such a way that they become more uh, scary in the eyes of the player. Absolutely. So just for funsies, let's uh, play another game. So you just name a thing, and I figure out how to make it scary. Children. No, that's too easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I tell you what, Sally. Let's mm-hmm. go. A a a potted plant that some guy speaks to on the daily. Oh come on. Let's go. Okay, off the top of my head, there's two very easy answers. Well, actually, three. Okay. So. Option number one, you have a person talking to a potted plant. Option number one, this actually is a human who has been polymorphed into a plant by some evil wizard. Maybe they just displeased them. Maybe they were just in the way one day by some just real asshole of a wizard. But whatever the reason, this person actually got turned to a plant. And this man is just doing his best to keep her alive in this form until he can figure out some way to either end the spell, break a curse, depending on how you want to go about it. But it is just this poor man who is desperately lonely without his lost love and just doing his best, which unfortunately in this case just does not seem to be enough. Besides that option, option two... This dude is crazy. He's talking to this plant. Maybe he did have a wife who died and just is lost without her. And he has just snapped and now treats this plant as if it were his lost wife. And if anyone is to say otherwise, well, they'll just, quote unquote, quietly leave town. But they certainly won't be seen again. Fun! Fun! (laughs) And of course, option number three. The plant is alive, just perhaps or perhaps not in the way that he would hope. Whether it actually is or was a person or just is some form of smart or just hungry plant, go the Little Shop of Horrors route, where This plant started small, sure, but as it gets fed more and more, it's getting hungry, with a preference for fresh meat. There are a lot of ways that that could be taken in a scary direction. You can go the kind of dark fantasy with, you know, the sentient plant that needs to get fed. You could go the kind of body horror route because what if the wife was polymorphed into that and is somehow aware but just totally unable to move and just going mad 
because the only sensory input she has is when her husband speaks to her. There's a lot of dark places that you could take that story. I mean, talking about like horror and dark stories and stuff, but then it'd be cool to like, okay, one other way they can do it is take something, something familiar and make it uh, different. So, for example, what if uh, you, you all were to realize that Gorge isn't actually what he seems and Gorf isn't exactly a normal paladin because no, no real, <laughs> real paladin would be such a monstrous person and still retain his powers. It makes no sense. In truth, it, it, he believes everything, like, he believes that he's following a god, but he's actually supported by a darker power and gorgeous merely a, like, pretending to feel all this pain when he's actually biding his time for a so- bigger plan. There is actually another interpretation that Mm -hmm. I am honestly surprised I don't see in here more often. So there are demonic, like, demon lord gods. So Lolf, I mean, Tiamat, you know, lives down below in certain adventures. Uh, Orcus, of course. So why would it not be possible if you do have you know, devil and demonic gods to not have evil clerics and paladins bound to them. Because paladins and clerics are assumed to belong only to, like, the good gods. But why? Why couldn't you, as a DM, choose to allow bonds with you know for a paladin or a cleric to an evil god so have you ever just read a book or seen a movie or played a game where you have a prisoner who is just healed up only to be tortured again and again and again there is a place for healers among the evil Mm mm-hmm that sounds fun. Because, <laughs> you know, that, that thing where it's like, like when, when the hero's all badass and it's like, I only have two more fingernails for you to pull. And then imagine it's like he's acting all badass. Like, ah, this is nothing. And then next thing you know, right, he's like, ah. And then here's the thing is that imagine if the healing process itself is also painful. So he feels like this sharp pain as his nails begin to grow out of their um, bends and back into place and then the like guy just looks at him with a evil smile and chuckles to himself i might actually have a worse one like even if the to not have the healing be painful mm-hmm. but just to imagine what is possible with the healing that is possible in D&D is resurrection horrifying. wait not no. even that no 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 regenerate So imagine a situation where you are, like, you finally, you know, captured your good opponent, and you just, just with millimeter slices at a time, remove every finger, toe, then up their foot, their hands, their legs, their arms, gouge out their eyes with hot pokers. 
do everything you can without allowing them the release of death. You let them keep their tongue, but only so they might scream. I mean, there's an easy way to do it. And then they finally, when they are just a head and torso left, Mm -hmm. they beg for death, only for you to say no and cast regenerate on them to regrow their arms and legs and eyes and be able to perceive entirely again. That's pretty fucked up, Remy. <laughs> you know, I, I what I had in mind when you were saying that is like, oh, regeneration, you know what? What about regeneration? And then um, we, we have this fire that we burn you alive with, but you can't quite die because you're regenerating, and then it's just like, just burning alive. But no, Remy, you have to make it so that you're just like this, this uh, torso with the head. You're like, oh, I can't move my arms because I don't have arms. I can't move my legs because I don't have legs. Oh, that's fucked up. Remy, what can I, I say? I was inspired by To The Pain, but took it even farther. Oh boy. <laughs> the point being, anything could be an inspiration and turned to darkness. Like, The Princess Bride is my favorite movie. But with what is possible in D&D, you can go so much worse than the canonical to the pain. So anything can be made better and worse through magic. And that alone is something that can also be an inspiration for horror, is just the idea that magic is a great and terrible force. There are wonders possible through magic, but also terrors beyond consideration, things that break the minds of mortal men. And honestly, if you just you know read through Lovecraft would be the easiest example for that one. The idea that there are things out there in the dark places of the universe. And canonically speaking, the Great Old One is quite literally a warlock patron. So as a dungeon master, we know that such things are out there. And as a dungeon master, that gives you quite a lot to work with. Because one of the benefits of beings like the old ones is the fact that they don't conform to standard rules they don't conform to my normal preference of logic and i know that this is ironic considering my dislike for the feywild i'm actually more okay with it that like i'm more okay with old ones than i am the feywild like that's definitely just a bias on my part i know this but that doesn't change the fact that i do think that that shit's pretty goddamn cool and the idea of the fact that you know we might have a warlock who does have such a being as their patron and that can be a rather significant problem so what if you are just playing through a campaign where your warlock is just like they know that they were given these powers for a purpose whether 
but they don't know what that purpose is. They don't know if they will eventually just choose or snap and decide to just build a cult to try to bring their master into this plane. Are they to be used as a sacrifice for some unknown purpose? You know, at some point in the distant or not so distant future. Again, one of the things that I do love about all forms of D&D, but certainly also applies here, is the fact that there is no limit on the just infinite varieties of things that you can do. Anything can be an inspiration. Anything can be given a darker twist, a darker interpretation. And all of these things are just readily available to dungeon masters. All of the history of fiction, mythology, imagination can be used by dungeon masters to invoke horror in your games. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, and you can send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.